Triple HFM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants, HK Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Here's your host, the raging bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to a very special edition of Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Karingai Post, the Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports. Anthony Liverpool Caruso back with you and I am suited up once again in my best tux for the presentation of part two of the Triple H Sports Awards this time around, it is the Golden Ages. Last week, we did celebrate the worst of sport for 2021, and this week, we celebrate the best. And to join me tonight, we only have the very best in co-anchors here, and joining us tonight, my very good friend, the spicy chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening to you. Good evening, Caruso. Good evening, listeners. It is a honour to be here for the Triple H Sports Awards, the Golden Ages. Uh, this evening, why God, we've got uh, an excellent lineup of awards and nominees for these awards this year. It's been an incredible year in sport, uh, despite the ever expanding and and long overstayed welcomed virus that we've had plaguing our lands for the last two years. This year's sport really went to another level, despite um, the, the the tough, harsh conditions off the field that they've had to encounter and it's produced some quite brilliant moments which we've all put into these awards this evening and we've got uh, some very, very clear winners for some of our awards but we've also got some very, very tightly contested uh, nominees up against each other which we will dissect and explain to you why we think they take home our most prestigious awards uh, to end out 2021. And uh, as always, seven awards, and we've given them all a very special reference in each of them. Join us tonight as we present the Triple H Golden H's right here on Splinters. Ladies and gentlemen, the statuettes are ready. The presenters are ready. This is, for the last time in 2021, Splinters. Let's kick things off here tonight with award number one. And Dom Rizzuto, it is the Claudio Ranieri Award for Upset of the Year. There's fantastic award to start the night. Who doesn't love an underdog story in sport? We've correctly or perfectly named the award after the great Tinkerman Claudio Ranieri after his 2016 triumph with Leicester City in the Premier League, taking their side to a 2015-16 title winning season to upset what had been the top four award in the English Premier League and and shocked the world uh, for one year um, out of nowhere uh, that time around. So we're looking at uh, a similar sort of performance again from our nominations this year for this particular award. Would you like me to, to uh, speak them, Caruso? Yes, absolutely. Who are the nominees? So our first nominee for the Claudio Ranieri Upset of the Year Award is going to... Um, Edda Emma Raducanu. Now, Emma Raducanu is the young Briton tennis who uh, stormed onto the scene in the forefront at Wimbledon earlier in the year, putting herself on the map as a, as a potential young talent and then shocked the world by becoming the first qualifier into the open era to win a Grand Slam, taking the final set 6-4, 6-3 over Canadian uh, Layla Fernandez, who also incredibly was younger than Emma Raducanu. We forget that that US Open was the youngest two ever players to come up against each other in a Grand Slam final. So <laughs> I feel sorry for uh, Leia because it could have been her uh, nominated for this award had it gone the other way. But it's fallen to Emma who took the Grand Slam title. Just her second attempt breaking the previous record being the fourth attempt uh, shared by Monica Salas and Bianca Address, excuse me, Andreseku, an incredible achievement from Emma. She'll definitely be up there for a winner in this one. Our next nomination, we've got the Australian male water polo team, now a team that we didn't really expect of much at the Tokyo Olympics, but the Sharks pulled off uh, the upset of the tournament down in the uh, world number three team, Croatia 11-8 in their group pool match 
uh, at the start of the tournament. They're expected to be whipping boys for this competition, drawing three powerhouses in that group of Croatia, Serbia, and Montenegro. But uh, a fourth quarter masterclass uh, meant that they uh, managed to uh, take home some points uh, against the Balkan nation that had dominated the water polo for the last 10 years. Our next nomination goes to the world of motorsport, in particular F1. Esteban Ocon, the young French driver, picked up his first career win in Formula 1 when he delivered Renault slash Alpine, their first Formula 1 win since Kimi Räikkönen in Abu Dhabi in 2013. Uh, for many years, Ocon was known as one of the real battlers in the open-wheel racing scene and was in and out of Formula 1, uh, was a victim of horrendous uh, politicking and uh, the Strolls takeover of Force India, uh, rescued by a loan deal from Renault, whose permission from his manager and Mercedes F1 boss, uh, Toto Wolf. Ocon has built up nicely over a couple of years and finally delivered a result they were looking for when he survived the first lap, match, uh, first lap bowling match involving Bottas and, and Lance Stroll and then successfully defended against Sebastian Vettel to win the Hungarian F1 GP. Uh, incredible uh, performance from Ocon in that one. And in our final nomination uh, for this award is arguably uh, the funnest one of this list, but that doesn't mean that it's also uh, not packing in weight. Uh, it's arguably the greatest left-hander of all time, Phil Mickelson, up for this one, who took home a 2021 PGA Championship uh, uh, triumph this year, uh, becoming the oldest player uh, to do it uh, at Pebble Beach. Um, before that, uh, the, the WGC Mexico Championship of over a year back. But of course, that proved to be incredibly tough to play at. But we're giving this one uh, to uh, uh, Phil as a nomination. Uh, as, as I mentioned, he was he became the oldest winner of a golfing major tournament uh, cre- previously held by the Golden Bear, Jack Nicholas, uh, when he won the 86 US Masters at the age of 46. It was also Phil's first major championship win since the 2013 Open Championships at Murfield. Oh, what a lineup this is, absolutely. And we, in terms of trying to decide who the winner is, we have to announce for this one is that it was a very close second to Phil Mickelson. I mean, that is some record to break, one held by the great man himself in Jack Nicholas in terms of being the oldest major winner. But the winner goes to the youngest on that lineup there, Emma Raducanu winning the US Open and breaking the record for least attempts to win a Grand Slam event. What a performance it was by the young Brit, and she certainly has a future ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the reason we went with this one, ladies and gentlemen, is because whilst we loved Phil's story, a seasoned veteran who has won countless of titles in his career and the last one being really not that long ago in 2013, has also placed uh, reasonably high in many majors to his victory uh, in the PGA Championship this year. So we went with Emma having this been her only a second attempt at a US, well, I think a Grand Slam in general, and went in as a wild card and blew away the competition. Was she fortunate to have some of the major players like Naomi Osaka and Ash Barty drop away in the the earlier rounds by surprise, possibly. But I think the form that she was in earlier this year, back at Flushing Meadows, I think she wasn't going to be beaten by anybody. Well, let's go on now to award number two, and it is the Eric Cantona Award for the biggest comeback of the year. Yes, we're going to uh, name this one after the great man himself. Um, We want to celebrate those stories of athletes who uh, found rock bottom, uh, either in personal life or in performance on the field, only to charge back and reclaim, I should say, their rightful place at the top of the tree. Uh, No one else epitomizes this more than Cantona, a footballing career who... uh, was nearly left in ruins after assaulting a spectator during a match between Manchester United and Crystal Palace and ended up banned for a year from all football, only then to take Manchester United to the very top on his return, including a magical FA Cup win against Liverpool where he scored the match winner from 30 metres out. Uh, Helped the team uh, give the confidence back that they needed next year to take the treble Premier League, FA Cup and the Champions League, even though um, he had retired by then. So the nominations are for this one. Do you want me to do this one, Crusoe, or do you want to step in? Yes, Dom, I'd absolutely love to. And we'll start off with the first nomination being Roman Grosjean, often the whipping boy of the Formula One scene for a number of years. He then had to endure 
the humiliation of being told that his services were no longer required, along with Kevin Magnuson at the end of the 2020 season. The Frenchman was then victim of one of the most horrific events ever seen in Formula One in some time when he crashed out of the Bahrain F1 GP. His car turned into a massive fireball as a fuel tank exploded. Miraculously, Grosjean managed to jump out of the car, rush to hospital, and the worst he suffered was second-degree burns to his hands and face, from which he has now largely recovered from. Why has he made this comeback the way he is? He's come back in IndyCars driving for Dalcoin Racing. He's picked up three podiums last year, including a second place at the Indianapolis GP circuit and a well-earned third place at Laguna Seca. What a comeback this was last year. Yeah, really great from, from, from Rojon. Uh, as we mentioned, we've uh, had a particular um, stab at him a couple of times, but it's good to see him back um, firing once again and proving people wrong. Our second nomination is someone who we do love here on Triple H Sports. It is Ange Postacoglu. He quit the role as manager of the Socceroos after the 18 FIFA World Cup, feeling he'd done all he could and also sick of dealing with the idiocy of some of the members of the Australian sporting media, and quite rightly so, I might add. Um, Real questions about where Andrew's career would go next, especially after a mixed period in Japan. His move to Celtic, though, has been inspiring. Fired and has re-established himself as not only one of the best managers in the world, but Celtic is one of the leading clubs in the world. At his first go, he's won a trophy already. Celtic have won the Scottish League Cup and the Celtic faithful have even worked damn hard to come up with a song that would actually work well with his name. Well, Dom, all I can say is the scrutiny is alive, well, and is truly welcomed. Yeah, absolutely. Ange has done a fantastic job after uh, he left the Socceroos head coach role um, after the 28 or before, I should say, the 2018 uh, World Cup. We must remember he didn't actually go on to manage them that year. He got them there and then he left just before, which resulted in quite a poor World Cup for the Socceroos in 2018. But he's gone on to take rewards awards wherever he's been, including the latest one at Celtic. I know the next one he'll be looking at, obviously, is the Scottish Premier League title, which he is right up there into uh, in potentially winning. Our third nomination is Tony Popovich. It seems to be a good year at the moment for Australian managers of football whenever comebacks occur after horrific periods. The other one has to go to Tony Popovich after failed stints at Perth Glory and coaching within Greece. He has made his way back to Australia through Melbourne victory. He has turned the club around from being the laughing stock to premiership contenders this year. It may be a touch early to award it, but certainly the Popovich magic feels like it is back. And he could be a dark horse in the future to become the next Socceroos head coach. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, for mind, uh, this will be the big year for him in coming up in 2022. Melbourne victory have been quite appalling since Kevin Muscat uh, moved on. But uh, Popovich has got them playing well in the first few games of the season so far. And if he can go on and do good things for them and potentially win that uh, coveted uh, A-League uh, title, which he has had a crack at, I think, three times. Maybe finally uh, he he might uh, be in contention for that Socceroos position. And I think also uh, up for nomination again for the next year's Golden Ages. And the final nomination for the, for the uh, Eric Cantona Award is Kerry Price. His career was meant to be over last year. He had just turned 34. His knees had started giving way. He had carried Montreal on his back for years and he was starting to lose his position during the season to young goaltenders, especially the likes of Jake Allen. His career was meant to be over. Indeed, in 2020-21, Price had only played 25 games leading into the playoffs. But then out of nowhere, Price went on a run that dragged Montreal kicking and screaming into the Stanley Cup final. He was saving in the finals at 92.4% and recorded a massive shutout against Winnipeg before saving his best for the Vegas Golden Knights. Montreal would eventually lose to Tampa in the finals 4-1, but Price left everyone in no doubt who the best cold tender of the last 20 years was. The recent announcement about Seattle's entry in the NHL competition also guarantees that Kerry Price will be a one-franchise man. This is a guy, Dom, whose knees were done. He shouldn't have played last year at all. He barely played last year. And then in the finals last year, he had to come in and was saving at a record that just reminded everyone how good a goaltender he actually is. Love to hear those uh, legends of the games kick on for another season and continue uh, beyond uh, 
the years that many predicted, and that's what Price did. Our second place for this went to Romain Grosjean for his escape from certain death to pick up podiums in IndyCar. But, Dom, you are very happy to announce this year's winner. I am absolutely very happy to announce this year's winner, and it can't go to anybody else other than Ange Postacoglu this year for mind here at Triple H and Splinters. The man was thoroughly criticised, including by myself uh, prior to his exit at uh, the 2018 FIFA World Cup with the Socceroos or put before, as I mentioned earlier, but has gone on to have amazing successes uh, first of all, in the J League, where he won titles in his first year, and already now in the Scottish Premier League with Celtic, he's building himself a platform to become one of European's hottest managers. If he has more success with the uh, Scottish Giants, there's no doubt that he'll probably find himself in the Premier League or, or in one of European's top five leagues moving forward. He's done a fantastic job. He's paving the way for Australian coaches to move forward and get into these top leagues across the world. And the more that happens, the more likely Australia is going to find themselves as one of Australia's, uh, excuse me, one of the best footballing nations uh, on the planet. So great work from Ange. Finally deserves this award this year. And as I mentioned, if he has another good year moving forward, uh, there's no doubt that I'm sure that he could be nominated again next year. And and it's a real one. It's a real amazement seeing how much he's um, he's developed over the over the last few years. Everyone even thought that his career should have been dead and buried after the failures with the Ollie Ruse and that that now infamous interview he did with Craig Foster. You know, th- this is this is what true Australian steel is made of, and Poster Coglu has got that in spades. Absolutely, and uh, a. a- Thoroughly deserved winner, as mentioned. We now move on, Dom Rizzuto, to award number three, the Michael Jordan Award for Sporting Moment of the Year. And who better to name this moment over after than his royal heirness? Well, absolutely. Um, the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Jordan, again, accurately used uh, to uh, uh, be named this award after him, I should say. The reason being, he had one of the greatest moments of all time, his iconic slam dunk against the Supersonics in the NBA Finals. Without further ado, let's get into the the nominations. And first up, Crusoe, we're going with the Melbourne Demons, uh, who won the AFL flag this year. 57 years in the making uh, with this one, uh, despite all the problems with COVID that uh, the AFL endured this year. Uh, a triumphant win. Our next nomination is the infamous final few moments of the final race of the F1 calendar in Abu Dhabi between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, you know, from controversial calls, brilliant racing, bit of shithousery, teamwork, and a last lap, battle, last lap battle. It was fierce. It was intense. Australia stayed up all night watching it and left us wanting more. Uh, Max Verstappen took the win, having to overtake Lewis Hamilton on the fifth corner, the last race of the season. It was an incredible season, at which I'm sure might not ever be matched again for some time. And next nomination... A hilarious one. Sam Kerr, shoulder-charging a fan. She, uh, during a Champions uh, League match with Juventus, uh, had a fan come on and take a few photos with the players and act a little bit like a bit of a pelican. And he was dropped to the floor perfectly with a good hip and shoulder by the Australian number one in football, female women's football, or maybe even just football in general at the moment. She's in such a rich vein of form. She could have been nominated for many of the awards that we have here today, but she's nominated for this particular moment because of the classic moment that she had, rivaling one of the most uh, famous player versus streaker moments, which was Andrew Simons um, when he was playing uh, How good was the technique on Sam Kerr? Like you could you could tell that her, her brother played AFL because that hip and shoulder that she delivered, I mean, she could play the defensive line with that level of technique. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was perfect. The bloke stood no chance, and I'm sure that he'll be hounded for it for the rest of his life. The next award is going to Nikita Kucherov for his Stanley Cup presser. Tampa Bay Lightning has been one of the best team in the NHL for the last few seasons, and their win in the Stanley Cup finals against the Montreal Canadiens can be described as clinical. But it was the performance of Nikita Kucherov in the post-game presser that won the hearts of everyone as he delivered unfiltered, honest, and pointed answers dealing with what he thought was 
ridiculous awarding of MVP awards all the way to Montreal fans when the Habs won game three to keep the series alive. Nothing scripted, everything off the cuff, and we loved every single moment of it. And then finally, we're going to go to Ash Barty for winning Wimbledon. The Barty party kept rolling on in 2021, and she delivered the diminutive Australian by producing a, an award 41 years in the wait, taking home the All England Club Award for the first time in 40 years. And since Yvonne Gulagon Corley won it back in 1980, she knocked off Barbara Kova and Angelique Kova and Caroline Pliskova on the way to the top. Uh, she's now engaged to a longtime partner as well. And golf and Liverpool tragic Gary Kissick made the Bali party roll on in 2022. Gee, some good nominations in here, this one. And really, every one of them deserving in their own right. I mean, Ash Barty's had a year to remember, and that moment winning Wimbledon will never be forgotten anytime soon. For those of you who haven't seen it, go look up Nikita Kucherov's presser. It is epic. Like, you you normally see, and Dom, you, you know as good as anyone else, a lot of... A lot of sports stars, when they deliver presses, it's usually very scripted. It's usually very run-of-the-mill. Everyone says the same thing. Not this one. He no. he delivers from the hip. He delivers it superbly. He delivers it with malice towards none, but it is so pointed and so brutally honest that you can't help but sit there and think, you know what? This guy's got a point. Yeah, uh, do yourself a do yourself a favor. Go look it up on YouTube. The other two honorable mentions: Sam Kerr's shoulder. Well, you know the greatest technical shoulder. Uh, I said it before. She could easily play as a defender. I mean, she could probably give Paolo Maldini a run for his money in terms of um, how good that defensive technique was. And then the Melbourne Demons, well, it goes without saying, even having to put up with the final being in Western Australia. But honestly, nothing could come close to the drama, the storyline, the build-up, and the final execution of the Abu Dhabi Formula One Grand Prix. This was a rivalry built up a year in the making. The WWE could not have scripted a storyline this well of Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen in the final itself. As you mentioned, it had everything. Controversial calls, brilliant racing, pure teamwork, a little bit of shithousery. And Dom, you and I love a bit of a bit of shithousery from time to time. Absolutely. And this moment in particular for me just stood out because whilst the performances of, of Ash Barty, Sam Kerr's ship and shoulder and the Melbourne Demons uh, winning their titles were immense, but we're talking about moments and moments that stand out that and will be talked about not just this year, but for, for years to come. And this one right now has set a precedent for uh, an incredible new rivalry in sport in particular and the way that it all kind of unfolded. Were Mercedes unlucky and deserved to win? Yes. Were they the better team throughout the whole year? No. So many little niche arguments within this one moment that has just exploded an, an entirely new uh, rivalry is is simply incredible. And it, it for mine, it, it couldn't lose out to anything else in 2021. So, ladies and gentlemen, the Michael Jordan Award for Moment of the Year goes to Lewis Hamilton versus Max Verstappen at the Abu Dhabi F1 Grand Prix. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we've got our final four awards in this, our night of nights here for the Triple H Golden Hatches. You are listening to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com. Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the HK Post, the Hornsby RSL, and ISC Sports. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Hornsby RSL Club, your perfect place to catch up with friends and family. 
With dining options ranging from modern Australian favourites in the courtyard, authentic Asian cuisine from Keku, or delicious wood-fired pizzas from Level 1, there is something for everyone to enjoy. Join us weekly for entertainment activities such as trivia, meat raffles, bingo and free live music, or grab some tickets to see one of our first-class entertainment acts in the showroom. Thinking of holding an event? Let our friendly events team guide you through every step to create the perfect event for any occasion. Visit our website at hornsbyrsl.com.au for further details. Hornsby RSL Club, proud sponsors of Triple H. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Don Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Bowling is back in Hornsby. The Attic offers a 10-pin bowling experience like no other, with Australia's first ever augmented reality scoring experience that will take your game to a whole new level. With a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the Attic Entertainment Precinct is complete with a bar and lounge area to keep you entertained for hours. Specialising in kids' parties and celebrations, the Attic at Hornsby RSL Club is perfect for your next special event. Whether it be an afternoon out with the kids or a night out with friends, it will be an unforgettable occasion that will bowl you and your guests over. Visit our website, theattichornsby.com.au for more information. The Attic, proud sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com. Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. And we can announce for the first time ever, we are now appearing on iHeartRadio. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the HK Post, the Hornsby RSL, and ISC Sports. Anthony the Bull Caruso with a spicy chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. And then before we get into the awards, yes, we can inform everyone, Dom, we are on iHeartRadio now. We are. We're on everything. So there's no excuse for anybody not to listen. I'm running out of uh, space in my captions on social media to tell you how many places you can go and listen to us now and deciding which one we should direct you to. You can listen to us anywhere at any time. So make sure you do it. And especially to the night, because tonight we are announcing these great awards. Absolutely. Well, award number four, Dom Rizzuto, I'll go through the nominations, and if you give us a spiel and the winner, it is the Paolo Di Canio Award for Most Sporting Behaviour. Absolutely. Now, some of you may be confused as to why we're referencing the great Italian or naming this award after the great Italian football player Paolo Di Canio. Had been known for his extremely short fuse and and, and high temper. There was a moment in... uh, a very, very, very long time ago when Paolo Di Canio uh, caught the ball in a match against Everton, sitting at 1-1 with an open goal when the goalkeeper went down injured. He stopped play. And the commentary at the time, historic, when they said, from the most unlikely of sources, one of the greatest moments of sportsmanship we will ever see. And that's why we've named him um, as uh, our, our man uh, to be the bastion for the most sport, the most sporting behavior award uh, for the Triple H. Um, he got a, he got, a ov- he got a standing ovation from Goodison Park. That's how he good did. it was. Probably better. He probably got a standing ovation, biggest standing ovation then than when he scored that amazing karate kick goal um, all those years ago. But Caruso, the nominations, please, for 2021's most sporting behavior. And the nominations are Mutaz Essa Bashim and Gianmarco Tambieri sharing the high jump gold medal. One of the moments from the Tokyo Olympics. Qatar's Mutaz Essa Bashim and Italy's Gianmarco Tambieri were fighting out for the gold medal in high jump. They had both just cleared 2.37 meters. Decent in terms of high jump. To say the least. (laughs) Indeed. They both failed to clear 2.39 meters, which meant that there were two options presented, which were to either go into a jump-off 
or share the gold medal. They both hugged, shook hands, agreed to share the gold medals. They're both very much rivals, but they are very much friends off the off the track as well. So they celebrated this win together, sharing the top spot and probably one of the most heartwarming moments from the Tokyo Olympics. Yeah, an incredible moment and one that would bring a tear to the eye. And you saw it in the in the uh, the emotions that were delivered after they decided to share the award. Uh, between them, uh, tears were, were were flooding down. It was it was simply an incredible moment and one that we probably won't see for some time. Our second nomination goes to Formula One, and it goes to George Russell. In Formula One, your first priority, as we know, Dom, is to beat your teammate. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> now, someone didn't read that script to George Russell, who, seeing that teammate Nicholas Latifi was in third place in the Hungarian Grand Prix, Dom, let's just let's just take that into consideration. Nicholas Latifi was in third place during a race. Yep. He offered George Russell offered to sacrifice his own strategy in an attempt to maximize the point scoring opportunity for Williams through Nicholas Latifi. In the end, it didn't matter because they ended up finishing seventh and eighth respectively. But is this act of pure selflessness? that won the hearts of everyone in George Russell and secured Williams' first points finish since Australia in 2019. And, and might I add, Dom, as well, Williams' first double points finish since Monza in 2014. It, it a really nice moment from George Russell, who um, is coming across now as a very, very likable young man who's obviously going to go on and do big things for Mercedes this year, in this, uh, replacing Valtteri um, Bottas. And, you know, it's done a great, job for Williams in this year just in general you know a new t- uh, a newly owned team uh, obviously an historic team but one that's been chopped and changed uh, many a time in recent years and probably wanted to cut his time short and move straight over to the high performing silver arrows um, as early as possible but ran his race perfectly throughout the year. And I think this moment sort of just uh, epitomized uh, the uh, great sportsmanship that he has shown, not just obviously for Mercedes, and uh, but also to his teammate in Nicholas Latifi. Our third nomination is the Australian men's basketball team and a very simple event that occurred during the Olympics, but a very special one nonetheless. With 51 seconds left in the match and Australia on track to win against Argentina, a substitution was made where their basketballing legend, Louis Scola, left the court for the last time. Of course, he had announced that the Olympics was going to be his last major basketball tournament. The Australians and Argentinians joined together in a cobbled guard of honour to applaud this Argentinian legend, who has, I should point out, Dom, been in the NBA since 2007. He's played for Houston, Phoenix, Indiana, Toronto, and Brooklyn, and he is also an Olympic gold medalist back when Argentina upset Team USA in 2004. Very simple, very honourable, very beautiful, and we congratulate Luis Scola on a brilliant career and someone who, unlike a lot of the other personalities that seem to go around in the NBA, always jumped at the opportunity to represent his country. An incredible moment, once again, delivered by the Olympics. <laughs> uh, it tends to have have them uh, when when they're when they're on board. So there was no doubt that uh, we were going to have many uh, nominations. Uh, from the from Tokyo earlier this year, the Australian men's basketball team has be- uh, become one of the most likable Australian sporting teams in in the last let's say twelve to twenty four months. Um, it helps as well that they're they're quite good too and had a, an excellent um, Olympics this year. And yes, they did walk away with their first medal too. But this moment in particular, I think, was something that really just sort of shone through uh, and will be remembered probably more so than their triumph in terms of their rewards for their performances. Our final nomination goes to Cedric Dubler. Trust the Olympics to bring out the best in human behavior, and very few came like this. Similar to the George Russell nomination, Cedric Dubler gets a well-earned nomination for his willing on for Ash Maloney during the deciding 1,500-meter run in the decathlon. um, Ash Maloney needed to finish 12th or better to clinch the bronze, but was struggling throughout the race. Dublas sacrificed his own race. He slowed right down and positioned himself right next to Maloney and simply urged him on to push through the pain barrier to ensure that he finished in 12th place. It worked because Maloney managed to earn that PB, finished in 12th place and got the bronze to in the decathlon 
but the credit for this has to go to Cedric Dublar. An incredible moment from uh, the two Aussies in this one. Fantastic show of sportsmanship from from Cedric Dublar, who, you know, as you mentioned, sacrificing his own uh, potential uh, awards and rewards to help his teammate get there. It was a really, really special moment and one that um, I know many Australians uh, shed a tear for when, when the race was finished. Well, that's it for our nominations uh, for the uh, Paolo Di Canio Award for most or uh, best sporting behavior this year. And it was a really, really tough choice, this one. There was really nice moments. Honorable nominations, obviously, to the Australian men's basketball team and to George Russell throughout the, for, the, for their little uh, um, show of sportsmanship. Coming in at a really, really close second was the sharing of the gold medal in the high jump between Mustas Ezza, Bashim, and Jump. Gianmarco Tambieri, but we've gone, of course, with Cedric Dubler for his incredible human behavior and and all-round sportsmanship to help his teammate finish with the bronze medal in this game, Ash Maloney. And we thought that this moment was particularly the number one award, uh, number one for this award because of the fact that it was someone sacrificing themselves to help their teammate push for for something better, which is what we all kind of strive for in our day-to-day lives. The heartwarming moment between uh, Musta Essa Bashim and Gianmarco Tambieri was incredibly delightful to see, but the fact that they didn't win this award was purely down to the fact that Whilst the moment was so special, both of them came away with something more prominent than 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 uh, more prominent, uh, that being the gold medal. Whereas Cedric Dubler sacrificed everything to make sure his teammate claimed a bronze, and I think that is why we went with that one in particular to take the 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 plaudits for the Paolo Di Canio Award for best sporting behaviour. Well, congratulations to Cedric Dublar. You may not have won a medal, but you've won the hearts and mind of all sports stars right around the world. We now move on to award number five. Dom Rizzuto, to you, it is the Murray Walker Memorial Award for Sports Journalist or Commentator of the Year. Well, look, this one's pretty simple. We don't really need to explain to you what this award is so much. It is the Murray Walker Memorial Award for the Best Sports Journalist and, of course, Commentator for the Year. Murray Walker was a giant broadcaster within the F1 and British motor racing world who sadly passed away earlier this year, which will obviously brought a tear to, to many eyes, including many here at Triple H who love their F1. So the nominations are this award start with Andrew Voss. Um, at one point, the anointed one to take over from Ray Warren, the head of caller for Rugby League. Vossy was shafted by Channel 9 after comments made in just about uh, Ray Warren, the, the Ray Warren statue earned the ire of Ray Hadley, who lobbied Channel 9 to sack him. Uh, years after this, Andrew Vosser has re-emerged as the voice of Rugby League on Fox and once again the most likely person to take over from Ray Warren, as long as Hadley doesn't stick his nose in it again. Oh, you can be guaranteed he'll try to. Yes, because he, he wants to take that over. But please, Channel 9, please don't make that horrible mistake. Our next nomination, Andrew Webster, one of the most respected journalists in print media. Webster has been a shining light for Fairfax over the last few years, an excellent analyst of issues in sport, no more so than covering this year or um, of the cracks in what looked like the perfect year for the Penrith Panthers. His dogged investigation into the behaviour of some of the players, especially Tyron May, shows that every now and then print journalists are on the money when it comes to covering sports issues. And no one really went to cover that story about Tyron May because everyone got swept up with the momentum of the Panthers and Andrew Webster really stuck his neck out to say, actually, there's some stuff going on here at the Panthers that really should be brought to life because this is not good behaviour. Well, look, doesn't surprise me from the Mountain Men. That club is devoid of any kind of respect, in my personal opinion. Jackson Button from the, uh, the F1 world is up for an award for the Murray Walker one. We couldn't have Murray Walker Memorial Award. We could not throw in someone from the F1 uh, world this year. The 2009 World uh, F1 World Champion uh, replaced a great and uh, a great commentator in Martin Brundle this year for most parts of the year, who actually has now left his uh, his role permanently. So we might see more of Jensen Button move forward, but the same dry old British wit was uh, still there when Jensen uh, took over in the new role and his an analyst and understanding of the sport is fantastic to listen to because it brings a simplicity to the sport 
which allows the more casual fan to to get involved and understand how all of the F1 circuit works and not just the drivers. And, and what's really incredible with him, if you ever get to sit down and watch him, is t- watching him talk about tyre management because, of course, he won the 09 championship on his brilliant tyre management and people don't understand the fine art of how you deal with that. No, no, they don't. And he explains it beautifully in his uh, in his commentary, not just this year, but I'm assuming we're going to have it uh, moving forward for, for some time to come. Our next nomination is... Isha Gua, ever since coming onto the scene five years ago, Isha Gua has become one of the real darlings of cricket commentary. Insightful, witty, engaging. She's made the biggest impact in bashing down the door of women within sports commentary and to do it in such an endearing manner made her a fan favourite. One person that uh, won't be so appreciative would be Jeff Boycott, who lost his position on the BBC to Isha and, quite frankly, we couldn't be happier for it. Uh, absolutely. I mean, she, this, this, this lovely lady, uh, a wonderful analyst of the game, and people don't realise, as uh, particularly, how evil and dark her, her humour can be sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. And we're sticking with the cricketing world for the last nomination. Mel Jones, another in the batch of ex-women cricketers who have made the step into commentary box. Mel Jones has shown an excellent ability to take on the ball-by-ball commentary of cricket, something very few people are able to consistently get right. Like Isha, a disciple of the game and someone who has dedicated her life to it, Mel Jones has shown a knack of ball-by-ball that would be that would match Jim Maxwell. We look forward to seeing her grow even further. She is probably uh, unlucky to miss out on the award given how, many str- how much she's done in strides this year, but a very good performance there. Uh, the other honourable mention for this really does go to Jensen Button. It's not easy to step into Martin Brundle's shoes, and a lot of the other uh, commentators on the F1 scene often been criticised for having absolutely no personality or having personal vendettas. Yes, I'm looking at you, Nico Rosberg. Um, but... <laughs> Jensen Button, an absolute class act. Uh, and I might need to add as well, Dom, probably about as close as we are ever going to get to the late great James Hunt in terms of his shenanigans from time to time. Exactly right. Uh, but we cannot go past Ishigua for our Murray Walker Memorial Award for sports, sports journalist or commentator of the year. What she has delivered for cricket commentary over the last couple of years should be rightfully recognised. She has brought new personality, new light, a new flair into the world of commentary. And you only need to look at some of the clips of her in the commentary box with the likes Adam Gilchrist, Mark War, Mike Hussey to show her. And I guess you should mention Kerry O'Keefe as well in terms of showing how good she actually is. Yeah, she's fantastic. And one of my favourites to listen to just goes to show what happens when you actually go and study how to be a commentator and then actually get a gig in it instead of just being an ex-sportsman. Well, we are going to move on to award number six, Dom Rizzuto, the Golden Age team. The Golden Age for Team of the Year. Team of the Year, it's as simple as it sounds. It's our second last award of the night. It's a very special award. It's uh, to honour arguably, um, the, the uh, you know, I think the the greatest teams that we have uh, had through 2021. Uh, it's an absolute beautiful list, and I'm looking forward to, to hearing the nominations from yourself, Caruso. Absolutely. Well, the nominations are for the Golden Age Team of the Year, the Penrith Panthers. The culmination of the five-year plan for Phil Gould that took nearly double the time, to be perfectly honest. The Penrith Panthers finally broke through for a premiership. Their first since 2003 when they beat the Sydney Roosters. But what gets them onto this list, Dom, is that it's largely comprised of local juniors. Three-quarters of the players have played through the Penrith Nepean Juniors competition and in particular have come through either one of St Mary's Penrith Brothers or the Windsor Wolves? It pains me to say this, but they had a fantastic year um, this year, Penrith. They had a great year last year too. I think they were the, the only team that really deserved the premiership uh, last year. I thought Souths were, were, were really good, but they had their ups and downs throughout the year and, and, and timed their run to the final. And, you know, in my opinion, probably should have taken it from Penrith and, and stolen it from under their noses. It was, uh, for me in particular, it was a uh, who cares final for me. Um, it was better of two evils, which one was going to win. Penrith, I think, deserved it in the end, the best team all year. And off the work that they've done, developing a, a really strong juniors program uh, around that area, have built up, I think, uh, not just a, a winning season in 2021, but a dynasty potentially moving forward. Our second nomination goes to 
Red Bull Racing in Formula One. Even though Mercedes ended up winning the F1 Constructors Championship for 2021, that title could have been awarded to Red Bull Racing had it not been for Valtteri Bottas, who decided to go bowling instead of racing at the Hungarian Grand Prix. For the first time in the turbo hybrid era, Mercedes did not have the best car and Red Bull Racing were able to take Mercedes all the way in the F1 Constructors Championship. It is a shame indeed, Dom, that Honda are departing F1 on as, on a full-time capacity after this year. They will still be involved on a consulting platform as Red Bull start up their powertrain program. But Red Bull Racing this year finally found the balance to take the battle to Mercedes. Yeah, uh, an incredible year in F1, which we've obviously mentioned uh, a trillion times before the, the final moments of the Abu Dhabi race. Throughout this year, the, the rivalry uh, between Red Bull Racing and Mercedes has uh, become one of the great rivalries to watch in this new era of sport. They've done really well, Red Bull, in catching up and ending that uh, streak that Mercedes have had for so long with Lewis Hamilton and even before that with Nico Rosberg winning it before that too. They've won back-to-back championships for five or six years. And finally, Red Bull have found themselves back atop of the tree. And it was off the back of just some brilliant teamwork, not just from obviously from Verstappen and the, and, and his team, but obviously the, the few moments of the race where Perez held up Hamilton uh, for as long as he could. Uh, they really banded together to kind of break the evil empire <laughs> uh, reign of terror on F1. And it was great to see. Our third nomination goes to the Melbourne Demons. As we mentioned before, 57 years. 57 years. That is how long Melbourne had been without a flag. And they finally did it this year, beating the Western Bulldogs in the grand final at Optus Stadium. A huge result for a club that had been a laughing stock for years, redemption is well and truly complete down at the MCG. And, and it has to be mentioned, Dom, as well, the way that they celebrated the end of the season by having a second, a re, full replay in front, I think about 50,000 fans at the G, and then brought the team on to celebrate the trophy a couple of months later. Yeah, look, I think the season that they've had, the Demons, after being, you know, one of the sort of perennial underachievers for the last 10 to 12 years, 10 to 15 years, uh, it was good to see them win. They were the best team all year. Redemption, as you mentioned, is, is well and truly complete for them. Hopefully for the club and for the fans of their of their club, uh, they'll see uh, more premierships come their way in the years to come. Our next nomination goes to the WBBL and it goes to the Perth Scorchers. The WBBL had been dominated by teams on the Eastern Seaboard for years, especially the two teams from Sydney and Brisbane Heat jumping on for a couple of titles as well. This year, for the first time in the competition's history, the WBBL trophy left the Eastern Seaboard and I think more specifically left north of the Murray River. The Perth Scorchers were sensational with a well-balanced team and showed that you don't need a lineup full of superstars to win a title. You just need a solid, balanced, all-round team to win a title. The epitome of a champion team beating a team of champions. Yeah, uh, I think this uh, Perth Scorchers team is an incredible incredible team at, uh, and one that definitely needed to be nominated for uh, the Team of the Year award this year. Their performances uh, on the field were, were fantastic. As you mentioned, they kind of broke the stranglehold of the Eastern Seaboard team's uh, domination of um, the WBBL in recent years. And it was fantastic to see and, you know, again, spreading the love of cricket across the um, entire country. Final, our final nomination is the New South Wales Swifts. The Swifts have been one of the standard bearers for the Super Netball Championships, but this year they took that standard to new heights. For the entire second half of the season, the New South Wales Swifts were forced to play all of their matches in Queensland, not a single home match during the Super Netball Championship. What's more, for the second time in three years, the New South Wales Swifts won the Premiership by beating the team that finished first in the league. It's an incredible achievement, all things considered, and the Swifts have shown that they are, come finals time, one of the teams to watch out for. They're just an incredible organisation and they run so well and constant and perennial uh, winners, the New South Wales Swifts. Yes, they've had a couple of blips year on year, but they always find themselves back up near the top uh, a year later. And this championship that they won, as you mentioned, 
being stuck away from home was even more incredible. And uh, you know, for mind, you know, it's a shame that they that, that they're probably not going to take this award this year uh, because of their dominance. But I think you know, for mine, being as dominant that they are, uh, it wasn't as, as as strong as performance as I would have liked to have seen from them. But they did go on and win the championships. A fantastic achievement for the Swifts. But they're not our winner for this year. Some other honourable mentions as well. The Melbourne Demons and the Penrith Panthers, obviously both of them won it in their own different ways. Obviously Melbourne having not won it for 57 years, Penrith, you know, building up to it and then finally winning was a fantastic achievement. But the reason why we didn't select those two teams in the end, because going into this competition, they were the outright favourites and they did go on to win it quite convincingly in the end, in, the, in their in their respective seasons. Uh, Penrith obviously had that closer final, but really they should have put it to bed a lot earlier than they did before Stephen Crichton intercepted Cody Walker's final um, pass to win them the match. The winner, though, of this year's award for Team of the Year of the Golden Hs is Red Bull Racing. Now, we've gone with Red Bull because they broke the stranglehold of Mercedes, who had gone on a five or six season uh, winning run. Lewis Hamilton in particular, going for a record of eight um, championships. He was looking to equal Michael Schumacher's record of five straight championships. Nico Rosberg also, also won an award in that time with the Mercedes outfit. Red Bull came out of nowhere and won their first title since, I believe, probably last time would have been with Sebastian Vettel, with Max Verstappen, off the back of just some fantastic racing, some fantastic uh, behind and off the track decision-making and some great teamwork as well, really utilizing Perez when they could, where I think that's where Mercedes faltered really in the end was the ability not to get Valtteri Bottas within uh, striking distance to allow to help uh, Lewis Hamilton out. Uh, when he needed it. So we've gone with Red Bull Racing for this year's Team of the Year for the Golden Age. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've come down to that time of the night where it is our last award. It is the Golden Age for Sports Person of the Year. Just like we did with the inaugural Wood Ducks, this is going out to an individual whose performance was so brilliant that it raises the bar and sets new standards for what we expect in sports. Dom Rizzuto, who are the nominations for the Golden Age for Sports Person of the Year. Nomination number one, and look, his team just claimed Team of the Year. It is Max Verstappen, the 2021 Formula One World Champion. Became only the second driver to beat Lewis Hamilton in the turbo hybrid era. Became the first Dutchman to win a World Drivers' Championship. What a year it was for the Dutch Lion, with his own personal highlight uh, being the win uh, in the Dutch GP at, at Sandervoort. And what a what a race that was as well. What a what an atmosphere! It was great to see Zandvoort back on the track and see Verstappen win it, even through the plumes of orange smoke that really engulfed the track as soon as he won. So what a moment that was and what a performance by Max Verstappen. Our nom- second nomination. Second nomination is without a doubt the best rugby league player of 2021. It was Tom Turbojevic. Tom Turbo Turbojevic was on another planet uh, this year in terms of his playing ability, set new standards this year that will be hard to match. He won the Dally M while playing less games than anyone else to have won the award. He also ended up with fullback of the year, try of the year and Brad Fittler medal and Wally Lewis medal for best player for New South Wales and the entire state of origin series. Monavell's finest uh, had finally shone through and became uh, the world's finest. And, and let's say, let's let's face it, Dom, you you are quite happy to claim him as Monavell's finest, aren't you? Oh, look, I'm sure some some people would. I don't have a, a particular attachment to the uh, the, the Monavell school, but um, or Monavell suburb, but um, the Jaboyeviches are, are a big family and well respected, obviously, amongst the community. And it was great to see one of them have a, a particular standout year. Nomination number three, Phil Mickelson is up again for another award. Um, it's very rare that someone breaks a record as the oldest winner of any competition. It's even re- rarer when someone breaks that record uh, in a golfing major. But that's exactly what he did this year, becoming the oldest winner of any major golfing tournament, winning this year's USPGA Championship at the age of 50, breaking the previous record of 46 set by Jack Nicholas in 1986 when he won the US Masters. A massive achievement that was as well and showing that sometimes you don't need to have explosive power to win a to win a golfing major. Nomination number four. Well, up again for an award, it is Ash Barty. Need I say more? First Australian woman to win Wimbledon in over 40 years. 
she's right up there. She also finished the year once again as the world number one. I think the third year in a row she's finished as world number one, if um, if my memory serves me correct. I think that is absolutely correct. And nomination number five. Sticking with tennis, she's uh, won an award already tonight uh, and it, it, she, she may be again up for – uh, a double award at the, at the Golden Hatches. It is Emma Raducanu who uh, won the US Open as the youngest ever female player to win a tournament in just her second attempt, putting British women's tennis back on the map. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this was a tough one. The battle was fierce in terms of the performances this year. And so much so that, Dom, you and I have had to go for a 3-2-1, uh, the, the, the official podium, haven't we? That's exactly right. It was very tight. That tight it was. Third place for the Golden Age, the bronze medal, goes to Emma Raducanu for her performances in tennis this year, culminating in winning the US Open this year. Now, the reason why she came third, ladies and gentlemen, is, is we don't want to diminish her achievements in the slightest. But in this particular tournament, I think what made it more challenging, what made it a little bit easier is that all of those big names sort of fell away earlier. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Ash Barty and Naomi Osaka all fell in round three as a bit of a shock result. And then it left the field. I think by the time we hit the quarterfinals, I, there was, I don't think there was a top 10 seed left. And um, I think Emma Raducanu took that opportunity um, to her advantage. I don't think she – this is not saying that she won't become a top 10 player in the future. And we've obviously shown our desires uh, – sorry, shown our appreciation of her performances with an award earlier this year. But she couldn't quite claim this one purely on those uh, criteria that I just mentioned. In second place – it is Turbo himself, Tom Trebojevic. Yes, a well-deserved award. Tom Trebojevic, by far the best player of rugby league on the planet this year. Very, very unlucky to miss out. Perhaps being a part of a team sport made it harder for him to claim the title for the uh, Golden Age of Sports Person of the Year. He had an unbeatable season on a personal level, but... As we've mentioned many a times, rugby league is a team sport. And and sometimes when he came up against the better teams, his his personal numbers couldn't get them quite there. So we just he just falls short and probably not for his own fault, but because of obviously that he only walked away with the New South Wales origin title this year, he didn't quite meet our expert demands that we require for the sports person of the year. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there can only be one winner. And this year's winner of the inaugural Golden Age for Sports Person of the Year goes to Ashley Barty. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the Barty Party will roll on into 2022. And not only will it roll on into 2022, she's got herself well positioned to have a serious crack at the Australian Open, which starts in a couple of weeks' time. And what a performance we think we are going to be in store as this diminutive Australian has who has really won the hearts of everyone in this great country, shown what sportsmanship is all about, shown what performance is all about. And, and it really has to be said, someone who actually has a genuine personality, if nothing else, than seeing her barracking Rich, Richmond Tigers in the AFL finals with a full cup of beer in her hands. Uh, a great personality, uh, a great role model, a great performer, and a great winner, Ash Barty, and uh, thoroughly deserves this title amongst some great company as well. Would have been tough on the other people, but Ash Barty winning Wimbledon, Wimbledon being such a historic tournament, uh, and on a personal level for Australians, really kind of shone through when she took that title for herself uh, in 2021. Well, ladies and gentlemen, with that, we have come to the end of the Golden Hatches, and indeed, we have come to the end of year 20. 21. It has been an incredible year all round for everyone involved with Splinters and indeed with Triple H Sports. We enjoyed the resurgence, the demise, and then the re-resurgence of live sports here on Triple H. And we couldn't have done it without the support of everyone at the Triple H committee headed up by Stephen Holland and Janelle McIntosh, the wonderful support of Andrew Russell behind the scenes, and indeed everyone involved with broadcasting, presenting, and editing anything to do with Triple H Sports. Dom Rizzotto, you and I have been doing this now together for over 10 years and we look forward to 2022. 
Absolutely, team. Thank you for listening, and uh, we look forward to bringing you more content next year. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, next year we'll have a brand-new episode to uh, to present to you. Dom, you and I might be back to preview the Summer of Tennis for 2022. Absolutely. I look forward to it. What an Australian Open we have coming up. Uh, controversy um, right at the midst before the first serve is even thrown or played, whatever word you want to use, ahead of, you know, just all these COVID restrictions that are being placed in Victoria at the moment. Who's going to turn up? God knows. With We only have two more thanks to give to um, tonight. First off, we have to thank our sponsors, of course. We will mention them one more time. They are, of course, Atlas Chartered Accountants, the HK Post, the Hornsby RSL, and ISC Sports. Thank you very much for your support of Triple H Sports this year. And we want to thank you, the fans, for joining us on this journey throughout 2021. Not as difficult as it was in 2020 with almost no sports content to deliver, but this year we managed to deliver it in space. And even with the challenges, we were able to rise above and continue to give you what you want to hear, which is the best community sports here in Sydney. And with that, we bring to an end Triple H Sports for 2021 right here on Triple H FM 100.1 streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio and all good podcast sites. On behalf of the entire Triple H Sports team and indeed on behalf of the spicy chorizo Dom Rizzuto, I'm Anthony the Bull Caruso. For the last time, run hard or run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.